This is Marcus de Costa, pastor of House of Israel London, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this teaching edifies you, challenges, and inspires you to walk the best walk you can with Messiah Yeshua. May you be richly blessed by this message. We're exploring the Gospels and this is what we have learnt so far. What biblical, cultural eisegesis means and how reverse engineering it. Through the correct application of hermeneutics helps you to understand the true interpretation of scripture. Ultimately leading one to becoming an apologist in both word and deed. How the Antichrist spirit, those who teach while failing to acknowledge Yeshua as Messiah, nor his redemptive work for the world, has infiltrated the body of Messiah and how to identify and address it. We have challenged with scripture, erroneous systems of interpretation like Messianic and Christian Zionism, Dispensationalism, Trinitarianism, and Hebrew Israelitism. We have begun re-establishing the standard of righteousness and repentance in scripture, highlighting the distinction between the ancient fruit of the saints and practices of believers today. It is upon careful examination of the gospels while using a sound hermeneutical methodology that one can see that in order to establish a religious system distinct from that of the scripture, a counterfeit gospel and counterfeit covenant were necessary to pave a broad way separate from that of the narrow. The main protagonist in this conspiracy to beguile those from the narrow way unto another is a counterfeit Christ. Propped up through 40 hermeneutics and homiletics, who is followed and legitimizes counterfeit disciples. So in all that we have learnt, we have arrived at a place where we can comfortably say it is clear there is a counterfeit covenant, a counterfeit gospel, and as such, there needs to be a role player, a main protagonist. And the main protagonist, the main role player of the counterfeit gospel and covenant is a counterfeit Christ. Now, the counterfeit Christ gives permission to his disciples to not look anything like the authentic Yeshua, the Messiah. So it is because of this counterfeit, he legitimizes disciples who look nothing like the legitimate. We will be examining this today. John chapter 1 verse 36. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, behold the Lamb of God. So we have have recognized that John, because John was filled with the Spirit, He heard the voice of the father essentially saying, when you baptize and you see the spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, descending and remaining, that is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John recognized that that person was Yeshua. 
So when he sees Yeshua returning from being in the wilderness, he is saying to his disciples, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. And two, and the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Yeshua. Then Yeshua turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi. Now this Rabbi, although it's given to us in the Greek 4461, it is of Hebrew origin. Now this word Rabbi of Hebrew of origin in the Greek is 4461, but in Hebrew it's 7227 in the Strong's Concordance. And it said it's my master. Master. It's a title of honor. Master. And what we have after where it says rabbi, in the text there is some parentheses, some brackets. Which is to say, being interpreted, master. So, what we see here is, already there is a gulf between what we see in the scriptures to what we see taking place oftentimes in the world. John identified Yeshua as Messiah, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. And the apostle Andrew, which was one of these two disciples, which we shall come to see, because of the endorsement of John, recognized Yeshua as Rabbi, Master. Further along the text, we are going to see it being told us that we are not to call any man master. We are not to call any man rabbi, for we have one master. We're also not to call any man father, because we have a father in heaven. But essentially what we're seeing here is the endorsement of John, which leads to two of his disciples recognizing that Yeshua is the one that needs to be followed and therefore he is the master. And this, this word Greek here for master is didaiskalos, instructor, master, teacher. And they're asking him, where dwellest thou? Yeshua is our master, our rabbi and teacher. As a result, like those who left John to follow Yeshua, we must follow him. When you come into the knowledge of Messiah, there needs to be a course deviation. You may have been going one way in your life, but once you identify Yeshua is Lord, Yeshua is Messiah, He is the Master, our course needs to change. Whatever route we was following before, we need to turn around and follow wherever Messiah is going. Because He is the Master. He is the Lord. Now you can... You can speak those words and it be a lip service. Lord Jesus. Lord God. And they actually not be your Lord. They actually not be your master, your rabbi. Who you follow. Who you listen to who you submit your will unto. And if that be the case, then who is your rabbi? If we can't follow Yeshua, 
being our rabbi, being our master and lord, because you are yoked up onto something else, then who is the master? Who is the lord? Who are we following? See, the revelation that as disciples of Yeshua we have to have is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of Israel, should not be served like we served Pharaoh. Can't be served in the same way. Which is why when Father recognised that the children of Israel needed to serve him, they freed, him from, they freed them from bondage. All of those who could not let go of the yoke of Egypt, they perished in the wilderness. Think about all of the years and years and years of captivity and slavery. Learning the culture. Learning the language. Being born into that system. And then overnight, you being made free to serve a new master. That's why they were so hard-headed. Their heads were conditioned to be hard. To obey. But they weren't able to make the transition from obeying Pharaoh and their taskmasters to obeying Jehovah. So they perished. And it's the same for us. If Yeshua is our rabbi, if he is our master, then he is to be followed at all costs. The counterfeit Christ is an eisegetical hybrid Yeshua. One who has been ma manufactured by Gentile pagan theologians and academics while vaguely referencing scripture. Those who follow the counterfeit Christ, because he is their master, their rabbi, and is a hybrid of scripture, in addition to the customs and traditions of those who created him, have another master. And therefore walk not as Yeshua of the scriptures, but follow a manufactured figment Jesus. So now we have to confront that when you're speaking to people about your faith, about Messiah, the Jesus that they are speaking of is a figment of other people's imagination. Your Yeshua is the one who doesn't begin in Matthew. Your Yeshua begins in Genesis. Your Yeshua begins in Genesis because that's when the book starts. But the Bible says that Yeshua was the beginning of all creation. So before heaven, before earth, there was Yeshua. As a result, when we are reading through the Tanakh, from Genesis to Malachi, from Matthew to Revelation, Yeshua is being spoken about. He was made manifest in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And as such, we can glean and learn about this Yeshua in the Gospels, but also be reminded of who he was and what he came to do from Genesis to Malachi. The counterfeit Christ is not so. The counterfeit Christ has to go to other books to interpret who this Yeshua is. The counterfeit Christ doesn't exist in this book. 
We have to come out of this book and start a new religion. Luke 6 verse 40 says the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. The disciple is not above his master, but it is considered simply through the action that the modern day believer is above Yeshua, Messiah, because they believe they have a superior revelation. Otherwise, they would walk and talk and teach what Messiah walked, taught and teached or taught. Amen. Amen. They literally think in their lifestyle and have been put in this position because of this counterfeit Messiah that they are above the master, above the rabbi, above our teacher, our Lord. Otherwise, they would imitate him. Through deception. By diminishing from the word and adding to it. Unlike those who wrote the Gospels to make manifest the Son of God, Abraham and David, the Mashiach. Who would come to fulfill what was written about him. The counterfeit Christ is the main protagonist in a new religion. Foreign to anything found in the scriptures. If you judge the tree by its fruit, what tree is it? You may not be able to discern by the, the leaf, by the shape of the leaf, by the color of the bark or the smell, but it's the flower, it's the fruit that tells you this is a grape tree. Why? These are grapes. This is an apple tree or a pear tree or any other tree because you can discern from the fruit. And it's the same with Yeshua. It's the same with his disciples. What fruit are they manifesting? What fruit does the counterfeit Christ manifest? What does he lead people to do? And is it the same as that which is written? As such, his disciples are unrecognizable to those they read about. Now, I'm going to read a, a, a quotation here. And this is part of this process as to how this belief system has evolved to the degree that it's completely unrecognizable. Marcion of Pontus or, of Sinop flourished in the second century, was considered a Christian heretic. Although Marcion is known only through reports and quotations from his orthodox opponents, especially Tertullian, adversus Marcionim, which is interpreted against Marcion, the principal outlines of his teaching seem clear. His teaching made a radical distinction between the God of the Old Testament, the Creator, and the Father of Jesus Christ, the God of the New. This individual, Marcion, was who came about in the second century. He was considered a heretic. But what he taught is what is widely accepted and established as Christian doctrine Today, before it was called dispensationalism, Marcion was teaching dispensationalism because what he was saying is that there was 
a God of the Old Testament. This is the Old Testament. And this is the New Testament. This is Jesus of the New Testament. The reason why, as you will see, there is a page in your Bible to separate Malachi from Matthew is because of Marcion's heresy. Before there was Marcion's heresy, when Yeshua went about preaching the gospel, what was he preaching from? When Paul was going about preaching in the synagogues, what was he preaching from? The same as Peter. The King James Bible brothers and sisters did not just descend out of the heavens. It didn't come, you know, Yeshua went up in the cloud and then he, he elevated down the King James version of the Bible. That's not how it happened. But they managed to preach the gospel. According to Marcion, that distinction had not been, had been obscured at the very earliest stages of the Christian movement. And among the apostles, only Paul had understood it. So we're talking about here, a favorite apostle. Who is the favorite apostle according to Marcion? Paul. Which is why if you speak and open even the New Testament and show people what John says, what Peter says, they will turn to Galatians. They will turn to Romans. You show people what Yeshua said, they will go to Galatians and Romans. They don't have an understanding of Paul being the student of the master Yeshua. What they have is an interpretation which comes from Marcion. So his position was, I'm rejecting John. I'm rejecting Peter, James, Jude, all of their epistles. I'm rejecting Matthew. I'm rejecting Mark. I'm rejecting John. I'm keeping Luke and Paul. That was his canon. And to go against the heresy of his canon, his compilation of scriptures, there was a New Testament Bible created. A canon of New Testament. This is where you get this idea of a New Testament canon, a compilation of New Testament scriptures. Because Marcion came with his own, so the people who called him a heretic had to come with what they considered to be a more rounded um, canon. Because the corruptions that had subsequently been introduced in the life and message of the church into the very text of the New Testament, he had had to be expunged. Marcion edited his own version of the biblical books. His collection of those books that he regarded as authoritative seems to have had some influence on the formation of the church's canon of the New Testament and very Various elements of early Christian creed, such as the widespread equation of the Father with Creator, may have been a formulated partly in response to his teaching. What you see here from the second century onwards is this shifting away from this path, this ancient path, unto an establishment of a new religion, which involves a counterfeit Christ. This counterfeit Christ is to free you from the God of the Old Testament Bible, is to free you from this curse 
which comes through obedience to the law. It is all about love. It's all about grace. Because those things were not present in the beginning with the Father. This is the counterfeit Christ and it's received by counterfeit disciples. The doctrine of Marcion, although considered heresy during the second century, has made a radical impact on the establishment of the counterfeit covenant, gospel, Christ and disciples that we see predicated today. The reason why there is a New Testament canon is in part to respond to Marcion's. The reason Paul's epistles and doctrine are given preference over that of the apostles and the Messiah himself is because of Marcion. The reason why there is a distinction between Jesus, full of love and grace from God, tribalistic and brutal, is because of Marcion's eisegesis. Yet when Yeshua is our rabbi, our master and teacher, the leaven of the counterfeit Christ, through the doctrine of men like Marcion, will be exposed and therefore not given heed to. All you have to do, brothers and sisters, is follow Messiah. What does he teach? What does he do? If you do that, you will not be beguiled by the doctrines of men which have been presupposed and planted into your minds. So that when you read the Bible, you're not reading from what is there. You're reading what has been placed in your mind. It's an illusion. That Jesus, the counterfeit one, does not exist. And therefore, to find the true one, we have to hear what he says. We have to beware of the leaven. We continue in John chapter 1. He saith unto them, come and see. So they're asking him, where dwellest thou? Where do you live? Rabbi, where do you live? He saith unto them, come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day. For it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah. Now, we don't hear much about Andrew in the scriptures. We hear about Peter, we hear about John, we hear about Paul, Barnabas, Silas, Timothy. And so on. But we don't hear much about Andrew. But consider the impact of Andrew on the whole formation of the movement that came after Yeshua the Messiah. And what he did was something which we are all to do. He goes and finds his brother and says to his brother... We have found Messiah. The Messiah has come. He is here. Come and see for yourself. Now as a ministry, we are an evangelistic community. The job of the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist and teacher is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Who, therefore, is to do the ministry? 
the saints, brothers and sisters, your role here on the earth is to work a work of ministry, not just when you come here, not just when you come here, but when you go outside. The Bible says, does not say you are the light of your church. You are a city set in your church. The Bible says you are the light of the world. So the world needs to be able to see you. Amen. You are the salt of the earth. You. And Andrew, what he did is when he recognized we have found the Messiah, he went and told his brother. He evangelized his brother. And his brother may have said, we don't know what he said. But Andrew said, come and see. Come. And see for yourself. We have to get to that place where we recognize the value in what Messiah is doing in you. What Messiah has given you and you therefore draw people to taste of that same water. To drink from that same well. To eat and sup with Yeshua at the same table. Come and see for yourself. Come and fellowship with us. You may not believe, but I'm believing that Father may have a word for you. Amen. See, if we go, Father will go with us. If we lay hands on the sick, they will recover. If the blind people come, their eyes will be open. If the deaf people come, their ears will be open. But that requires people to know that you are here. People to know that I am here, that we are here. But it also requires us to go out. Amen? Amen. So be encouraged. Be like Andrew. You have found Messiah. Go grab someone. Go find someone and say, look, I have found the truth. I have found the truth. My life is changed. And share your testimony. That's why you've been given it. You've been given the testimony so you can share it. And in the midst of you giving your testimony, because you are filled with the spirit, you are going to be empowered to be a witness. This is what the spirit is for. If you're not sharing your testimony, that spirit which has been given you to empower you to be a witness gets quenched. It's not being fed. And as a result, you can find that people who one day were zealous because they're not exercising their faith and exercising and loosing that spirit that is in and upon them, they become stale and dormant. They become lukewarm. Do not let that ever be your testimony. Amen. One of the, the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah. Now this Messiah is the Greek word 3323, which is speaking of the, the Messiah, the anointed, the Greek form of Messiah, Mashiach. But what we don't see here is parentheses like we did in the other passage. In the other passage, it speaks about um, rabbi, 
parentheses, which is interpreted master. But here it says Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ, without parentheses, without brackets. And this Christ here is Christos, the Messiah, the Son of God. So now we're seeing the introduction of two different words. One which has a Hebrew origin, Messiah, Messias, Mashiach, and another which is a Greek word, Christ. If man is to live by every word of God, being spirit and life, then it is imperative to discern commentary and translational insertions that can be used to prop up a counterfeit narrative from the authentic word of Jehovah, Yeshua the Apostles, Prophets and Disciples. So the questions that I ask as I'm reading this is, did Andrew say to his brother, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christos, the Christ. So Messiah, he's, so Messiah spent the day with Andrew and this other unnamed disciple. Andrew runs and finds his brother and says, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christos, the Christ. No. Did the Apostle John add the phrase in commentary in a bid to support Greek readers of his gospel? Did translators add the phrase in order to support Greek readers or to prop up a counterfeit Yeshua? Now there is an emphatic no for the first question. Peter, although was a Galilean, he was a Hebrew, he was an Israelite. The same with Andrew. And as a result, he would not need a Greek interpretation of a word he would be familiar with. This is an insertion or its commentary. We can be certain that Andrew didn't translate into Greek Messiah for his Hebrew brother Peter. However, it is uncertain how or why it appears in John. But if we go a bit further into John, in John 10, 30, what we see Messiah saying in the same book, I and my father are one. I and my father are one. What this tells us, brothers and sisters, is that if the word is Christ, if the word is Messiah, the Mashiach and the Father is one. That's what he said. John puts it another way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Father and the Son are one. He is the Word that was there in the beginning, and as many as receive Him, to them gave He power to become sons. So the Father and the Son are one, and the sons... And the Father are to be one. So regardless of whether there is a counterfeit Christ. Which legitimizes counterfeit disciples. We know from his own words. Him and the Father are one. And if him and the Father are one. And Mashiach is our rabbi. Is our master then we and the Father need to be one. So all of this stuff, which has gone forth for millennia after millennia, decade after decade, we can just simply address in that passage alone. Marcion's doctrine, 
which it was the, this, the seemingly beginning of this separation, the, a creation of old and new. That can be dealt with by the very words of, of Messiah himself. I am the Father, are one. Far too many people will choose to ignore Messiah's words, ignore his teaching, ignore those who he taught, and take up this figment Jesus, which doesn't really exist. And oftentimes, in this day and age, this figment Jesus is used to justify that which the Father in the Tanakh considers an abomination. That's how it's used. It's used on the TV. It's used on the radio. I thought Jesus was all about love. It's used in the pulpit. Shouldn't we just love one another? Let's love on one another. Messiah Yeshua died for us and there is no more sacrifice for sin. As a result, let's address the sin issue. Let's not allow sin to carry on. Let's not allow righteousness, abomination and uncleanness to continue because our atonement has died for us. There is no more atonement. At the root of the counterfeit Christ is the separation between him and the Father. And all that Jehovah declared about Messiah by the mouth of the prophets. See, if the priest, if the Pope can insert into your mind, there is an old. That's old. This is new. Once you receive that, where are you going to go to? I have to go to the new. The new, according to Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, is the manifestation of that which was spoken about at the beginning. They are making manifest. They're declaring it. All of those things which the prophets from the very beginning have been declaring year after year. All of the feasts, all of the Sabbaths, all of the new moons have been preparing us for this, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Yeshua and the Father are one, and as such, those who claim Messiah as their rabbi, their master, strive to walk as he walked and not contrary to it, because that is how you become one with the Father. Brothers and sisters, we spoke about in the beginning about turning over fallow ground. We have been born into a system which it's almost like you have fertile ground and the world has tried to completely sort it over. Try and make it impossible for it to bear forth fruit. But the Almighty is the good husbandman. All of those weeds, all of those rocks, all of those areas of offense, all of those limitations, the hurting and the bitterness and the unforgiveness, all of that needs to be turned over. We need to get the plow in to really work that ground, to uproot it. And the gospel of the kingdom is the best way for us to be transformed. Because if Messiah is our rabbi, is our master, the standard really is perfection. You don't need to be perfect in your mother's eyes or in your father's eyes or in your brother's or sister's or in your boss's eyes. But if Messiah is 
your rabbi, you can be perfect in your heavenly father's eyes. And all you have to do is follow the leading of the spirit. That's what you have to do. And he will refine you. He will transform you. He will pluck up by the roots. He will, he will change you. The you today will be a different you in a year's time if you follow Messiah. P Peter was a fisherman. He had a business. He walked with Messiah and he became a fisher of men. See, Father has placed something in you, brothers and sisters, which if you knew what the outcome of you digging up and planting those seeds and allowing it to germinate and bear forth fruit, you would be afraid to, to continue this walk. So he just gives you enough light, enough direction, enough Enough unction for you to take the next step with him. When, Peter when Messiah said to Peter, come follow me, he said, depart from me, I am a sinful man. The same Peter would walk through town and his shadow would heal people. If Messiah is your rabbi, if Messiah is your master and he is your Lord, there, in, there is works that he did, you shall do. We have to get rid of that flesh. We have to take off the world. It's not going to be easy. The Bible says when he was in the wilderness that he hungered. He was hungry. But he still resisted. You're going to be put to the test. You're going to be trialed. You're going to be proved. You're going to be refined. But out of that, here comes the Son of God. Behold the children of God. That's what is waiting and is necessary for us. And I have to, my prayer is that I'm going to follow Messiah. And in following Messiah, I need to have the boldness to say and confront some of the things that Messiah said and confront. It's going to take boldness because Messiah said some things and they wanted him dead. And I've seen the spirit of the wicked one. I've seen the spirit of the Antichrist. When you say certain things and people want to draw away at the minimum. I'm not, I'm not fellowshipping here anymore. I'm not supporting here anymore. At a minimum. The next level is, I'm going I'm to speak. I'm going to gossip. I'm going to spread maliciousness about this ministry, about the people that are here, about Marcus. To try and stifle to try and shut it down so there needs to be a boldness amen exploring the gospels while using a sound hermeneutical methodology will expose all figments faults and imaginations that exalt themselves Above the knowledge of God. Let us therefore humble ourselves. Allowing the washing of the word to purify us. And sanctify us. To reach the heights of perfection before the master and father. 
Brothers and sisters, we are heading, we are in a time and are heading into a time where iniquity abounds that will parallel the times of Noah, mm -hmm. the times of Sodom and Gomorrah. Where Father is opening the windows of heaven, ready to pour out his wrath upon the children of disobedience. But the Bible says, the servants of the Lamb, the children of Israel will be sealed. Amen. It is the ambition of the dragon, it is the ambition of the devil to destroy you all. And Messiah said the same thing to Peter. He wants to sift you like we, but I have prayed for you. We need the Father to help get us through this, this transition. We don't want to be the one who ends up perishing in the wilderness walking like you're walking because you believe that one day you would get to the promised land that's why you're walking but father's already said you're going to die in the wilderness otherwise why would you be walking for 40 years to to, to go where in circles We can't be self-deceived. So my encouragement to you with, with this, the exploring of the Gospels and with the things that we're doing, we're baptizing in Yeshua's name, discipleship, baptism, breaking of bread. We've got our abundance and compassion ministry whereby we are preparing to, if anyone is, is in the position of lack, that we can support them in accordance to the thing which John said and we will find Yeshua echoing the same thing. We've included that on our website so the abundance and compassion people or, or people who want to support that can do so online. We are adding on to our faith. We are adding on to our ministry in the, in the, in the, in the, the desire following the unction that when we compare ourselves to the saints, the disciples of Yeshua, 2,000 years ago, we will be unspotted and unblemished like them. We are going to the same marriage supper of the Lamb as them. The same garment they are going to be wearing, we are going to be wearing. So we need to be essentially following the leading of the spirit and that is why this is is so important hallelujah hallelujah father father in heaven holy 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 is your name and we bless your name father we give you thanks for all that you have done and given unto us and we pray, Father, in Yeshua's name, that you will forgive us of all of our sins and all of our unrighteousness. I pray, Father, that every spot and every blemished will be washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. For we recognize Yeshua as our rabbi, as our master, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. We acknowledge him. So we, we pray and come into the alignment with the word that lets us know that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Yeshua is Lord, we shall be saved. So, Father, we look to you for our salvation. We look to you, Father, for the hope that we have and we exercise faith. Father, I am praying if there be areas in our lives where we are deceived. 
where we are blinded by the enemy and we can't see it. We rebuke and bind him in Yeshua's name. Father, we, we break every curse. We break every chain. We break every shackle, Father, and speak freedom and speak freedom and liberty and life, Father. Father, we recognize that we may come in with a strong man. But we bind him up with something stronger. The Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, with all of these vessels here and those vessels who are online, that we will be a habitation for the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit. We will be the temples, the tabernacles of your glory in this world. So though the people may be looking and seeking and wondering after, third, after the third temple, we recognize Messiah said that his body, the body of Messiah is the temple. So I pray, Father, even now as we speak, that we will get cleaned up, that we will be, there will be a time of refreshing, where we will be washed, we will be cleaned, where all of the things of the enemy will lift from us. Every chain, every yoke, every shackle, every heaviness, every foul spirit. We command it to go and loose from your people in Yeshua's name. Every, every scale from their eyes, every deafness in their ears, every hardness of heart and hardness of head. We pray, Father, and command it to go. And replace it, Father, with a heart of flesh. Replace it, Father, with eyes that can see and ears that can hear. So you can heal us, Father. Father, we don't want this walk and this time to be a time of vanity. Where we are coming each and every week out of obligation. But I pray, Father, that we come each and every week. And we live each and every day because we love you. We love you, we obey you, and we trust you, Father. We set our hearts towards you, believing that you will be our God and we will be your people. So if there be idols in front of you that we have placed before you, help us to see those things so we can cast them from us. If we have moved into idolatry in any way, shape or form, help us to identify it so we can deal with it, Father. We want to be unblemished, unspotted by the world. So point out those things and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you, Father, because we trust that your word is life and your word is light. And we, Father, recognize that what we are living right here without you, without your spirit, without your word is not life. Father, everyone who is hungry and everyone who is thirsty, I pray that you will draw them nigh unto the well. As you've said in the prophets that you will give them food. You would feed them. So turn the, the, the wilderness into a river. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn the, 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 the wilderness into a river. Turn the valley into a banquet, Father, where people can sup and eat one with another. I pray it for each person here and for those who are watching us online. That we receive the earnestness of this call. The earnestness of this call to be ready, to be prepared, to be transformed, to not conform to the image and likeness of the world, but conform to Messiah, conform to Mashiach. For he is the only way that we can get ourselves to you. Where you will wash away every tear. Where there will be no hunger, no thirst, no pain, no suffering. Hallelujah. But joy, Father, 
everlasting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Praise his name. Brothers and sisters, this is an important time for us. It's an important time for us because the mandate we have been given is to disciple nations. We have, our focus can be, and we can get drawn in to the new prime minister. We can get drawn into the election cycle that is approaching. But you have more in you to impact the world than any prime minister, any president, any king or any queen. You. And that's in you if the word is in you. If you keep this word in you, then you shall not live a life of mediocrity. All of this which you see is not the life. In him was life. And the life was the light of the world. If in him is life, then what is all of this that we see? Which is darkness. It is dead men and women walking. But we've moved from death unto life. Hallelujah. Amen. And in moving from death to life, we should share that with the world. And in sharing it with the world, you are making changes in the, in the supernatural, in this invisible kingdom that you cannot see. And the world wants to call you just a teacher, an employee. The world wants to call you a subject. But you are a world changer. You are a miracle maker. Yes, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's you. And these things... Hearing it, we can resist. Hearing it, we can, we, in, in ourselves, to receive it, we've already hit the wall. If you allow that wall to remain, you won't go beyond it. If you allow that wall to remain, even those words that you are a miracle maker, you are a world changer. If you allow it to remain, you won't go beyond it. What Father has said about you and what the world has said about you is two different things. Amen. Amen. Thank you for fellowshipping with us today. I hope that teaching blessed you. But here is how you can be a blessing to us. By donating a small amount each month, by tithing and giving offerings to House of Israel London, you will help us continue to host and broadcast our services locally and to the world. Thanks to the faithfulness of a very small number of saints, we are able to hire our venue for weekly feast, Sabbath and prayer services, purchase equipment allowing us to record and broadcast our teachings, stream services live onto the internet promote our ministry across the internet allowing us to be a worldwide witness for Yeshua the Messiah upload and host teaching videos podcasts blog posts and more on our website submit our podcast to iTunes and other global platforms answer questions live by email or by phone and there is much more 
but our ministry can't continue these services to improve, to grow, to make an impact without your support. If you have been blessed by our ministry, by our weekly and feast Sabbath services, through our online fellowship, by the hundred plus teaching videos, by having your questions answered, through counsel, through prayer, or by the myriad of things not listed above, I invite you to support us. You can donate via our website at www.hoilondon.co.uk forward slash pages forward slash donate. Alternatively, why not call me on 03333447454 to discuss other options. Proverbs 3 verse 9 reads, Honour Jehovah with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. If you desire this ministry to bless others as it has blessed you, then start supporting us today. Shalom.